Sam, I need to get through the rest of the Clone Wars, because I'm, I'm, like, getting to the parts where it's actually starting to, like, pick up pace. Like, because I, you know, I'm, I'm on season three, and there was a Jar Jar episode, and it was a good episode, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? I'm just, I'm just following along with Tamko. That, that's fair. You're, you're farther than I am, then. Not by much, though. Yeah, not much. Like, I'm kind of surprised at how quickly I've, I've caught up. I I know myself, and I know I'm not going to be able to wait two weeks to watch, like, two episodes, because, like, I just want to absorb all the lore. But, um... That's also coming back to the fact that, like, I'm GMing a game, and, like, I don't know, I want to include a lot of fun surprises for people who know what's going on and know things yeah have you looked at all into the um oh fuck what's his name um Trevor is that is that it Trevor um, I've read the Trevor script what do you think about it because I have not finished it but I, I started reading like a comic adaptation of it last night and like I like it better so far uh, I think it's awful. I think it's dumb as shit. I think it would have made for a really entertaining movie, but I think it's dumb as shit. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Like, I think I would probably like that movie more than the actual uh, Rise of Skywalker movie that came out. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a very, very low bar. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. Like, I, I know... My wife did watch part of The Rise of Skywalker with me because, like, I, I got there very late to the party. Um, as in, like, I watched it for the first time a couple months ago. Um, and <laughs> they were losing their mind at some of the stupid shit that happens in that movie. But, um, God, I, I just. I'm so desperate for anything to be better than that, you know? <laughs> And that's why I installed Fate Hollow Adorexia this morning. What is that? It's a sequel to Fate Stay Night, of course. Oh my god. I... I don't know what I'm gonna do with you, Sam. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I've been a Fate head since, like, 2002 or so, or 2003. Before the anime came out, I had a, I had a buddy in high school... Who was like, yo, you gotta check this out. It's called Fate Stay Night. <laughs> I'm learning and, some very unique things about you today. <laughs> and then I watched the anime and, you know, it was fine. But then, then I actually, re then I read Fate Zero and 
hey, it turns out Gendo Rabuchi can do some really cool stuff with these characters. I, I'm, I've always been a little curious, but like having been very, very loosely into the like Melty Blood scene, like I've also read a bit of what goes on in like the story those games are based on, which I believe is by the same guy. Um, yes. And some of the stuff that happens in the original, like, visual novel, which, uh, the name escapes me right now, but, uh, I I have read about some stuff that sounds troubling, to say the least. Yeah, there is definitely some not-great stuff, but here's my counter-argument, and I'm just gonna post it in the chat. Okay. Let me, uh, let me get up to podcast- oh, what what is this shirt? What? It it's a like world conquering video game that he ends up playing and likes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> he, God he spends I, a lot. Of, he spends so much time inside just playing that game that he just like orders a shirt about it. I recognize <laughs> this character, but I don't know his name. It's uh, Alexander the Great. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, that's <laughs> what king, I thought. You know, the king of conquerors. Of course, of course, and he's a, a video game head. Got it. All you need to know about Fate is that this guy shows up in this shirt to a meeting, and then, which, he got this shirt because he was like, I need some, like, non-form, I need some, like, uh, current day clothes, because Saber's got current day clothes, and she looks great in them. So I should also get some current day clothes. And then he gets this (laughs) shirt, and then he shows up to a meeting in this shirt, and Saber shows up in her armor, and he's like, why aren't you wearing your suit? (laughs) Your suit looks great. (laughs) And then he sits down, summons a bunch of bottles of, like, mead, <laughs> and then proceeds to have a discussion on, like, the nature of kingshood. And, like, what it means to be a good king. God, I- that's very funny. Okay, hold on, one second. I'm- I'm so sorry to derail this. Uh, I've just received a very interesting email. Uh, like, I'm not going to name any names or- say what company it is but um so my first job okay uh, just, just to preface this my first job was um in inventory i was like an inventory specialist but it, it's not like uh an inventory specialist for like one place it was like um the kind of inventory team that like gets contracted to go to different locations and like do inventory for them uh so, was not, like, the ideal job. Uh, the hours were all over the place. It, it was one of those jobs where it's not like you have set hours. It's like, okay, show up at this time, and when we're done, we leave. Yeah. Um, And so, I, I worked there for, like, about a year. Um, first job, and then I quit because I hated it there, and all the all the people were, like, filled with drama and all this jazz. But a few years later, I went to work for their rival company, um, and it was kind of the same situation, except with, like, really shitty management. But I remember the name of one guy who I'm not going to say on on this show, because, like, even, I know even if I said it, like, it would be hard to find it, but, like, I'm just not going to do that. Um, I remember one guy at the rival company who, like, he... He was one of the people that would carpool, um, because, like, the first job I had was, like, a sort of van-driven system where you could just show up at the office and they would take you in, like, a van to go where you need to go. But, like, the second job, you had to drive there unless it was, like, outside 25 miles, in which case you could show up at the office and they had assigned carpool drivers. Um, This is one of those assigned carpool drivers, and I remember him specifically because he was constantly stoned. Um... Like, literally, one shift, like, literally offered me, like, a hit off his bong, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, like, we're on the way home, I could relax, like, that's fine. I have received an email from this guy, this specific guy, who I guess is a manager now, um, that has told me these two companies have merged, (laughs) and... They want me to come back on the team. And I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> it's it's just so much. Like, 
I... I don't know what to think of this. It's so weird to me. Yeah, that's... That's weird. That is definitely a weird email to get. It is a weird email to get, especially when I have a much better job right now. Um, like, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this. But, um, I don't know. In regards to Fate, it has been one of those series that has always been on the periphery of my vision that I've always been like, what if... What if I got into this? But I also don't know if it would either be something I would be greatly repulsed by, or if it would be something I would just lose myself to, you know? I think you would get super into fate, and also there are, like, three or four scenes that would absolutely repulse you. Uh, Those scenes generally have uh, content warnings that come right before them, and on most translations there's an option to have, like, a different scene played instead. Okay, well that that's good to know at least. Um, speaking of things that will probably repulse me, but I know I need to get through anyway. I still need to get back to the house in Fata Morgana because like that was a really interesting visual novel I was playing. Uh, I just life happened and I have not gotten back around to it. But like the music in that game is just like gorgeous, as is the artwork, and like I don't know, I, I need to get back to it. I, I'm I'm doing a lot of talking around the like getting to these episodes because like the the first episode we cover this week is like it it's a pretty standard battle episode. But then the second episode, there are moments that I do enjoy, and then the ending like we'll get there obviously, but the ending of this episode just like kind of pissed me off. <laughs> I have a drink with me right here, just because I'm like, I, I, I have, I, I need to loosen up a little. <laughs> well, instead of just talking around it, why don't we just get to it and start the show? Yeah, we get, I guess that's a thing we can do. This is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Senna. And I'm your co-host, Sam. I, I guess I should probably uh, get to the first episode we have this week, which is episode 140. Ulkiora's scheme, the moment when the sun sets. We emerge right in the thick of it as Urahara clashes with Wonder Also, I should go ahead and state, my, my notes this week I, I think are much shorter than usual because it's it's mostly a battle episode and I, I did not think just recapping every fight would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, about half of this episode is the battle rages. It's fine. Y- yes. Like, I, I have some details, but, like, it, it, I do think these are shorter than usual. Yeah, it, it, my word count says 709 words, and usually I'm, like, around 1,200 to 1,400, so. Anyway, we emerge right in the thick of it, as Urahara clashes with Wonderwise, who, though clueless, seems to be quite powerful. Suddenly, Urahara gets hit from behind as Yami sends out a bala, which is, like, apparently solidified spiritual pressure that is much faster than a Sarah. Like, I think he said something like 20 times faster. Yeah, so the Sarah is their R2, and then the Bala is the R1. Yes, 100%. He continues to launch the Balas as Lupi just, like, kind of stands there and complains. He's like, buddy, I was gonna kill that guy. He interfered with my battle. Like, I, I was gonna do that. Like, you don't... Okay, whatever. Just do it, I guess. Meanwhile, Rangiku has been caught again by Lupi. Like, I guess I don't remember her, like, escaping being caught by him. Like, I think Hitsugaya, like, saved her for a second, but I guess she's been caught again. And she tells Lupi that he talks too much and that, well, she hates talkative men. He threatens to skewer her, but as he does this, Hitsugaya's ice ensnares him. And Lupi is shocked to find the captain still alive. Toshiro's like, hey, uh, audience, in case you forgot, I have the most powerful eyes on Pacto. Like, Hyorin Maru, he's a real one. You may have only seen two of them, and one of them belongs to Rukia, who this show will never allow to have a win, ever. But mine is definitely the most powerful. (laughs) Don't worry about it, it's fine. Uh, so, 
he just about absolutely fucking destroys Loopy. Like, he just, like, does this cool move where he, like, twists his Zombarto, and I forget what he says exactly, because I did not take note of it, because I was dying from Booster yesterday. But, um, he, he does just, like, take down Loopy, like, almost instantly. And yeah, his, as soon his, as the- hmm? The thing he says is, uh, hey, your weapons might be eight arms, but mine is all the water in the atmosphere, and then he summons, like, a couple of hundred ice pillars, and he just has them move in and crush them. It's badass. Like, it, it's good shit. <laughs> like, this is the good shit. So, just as soon as the other Aronkar can be like, oh, fuck, <laughs> is just back at it, ready to cloud on them, he puts on this fake voice, and he's like, oh, Ison's going to be so mad! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spe- well, specifically the thing he's doing is he's he's finishing Yami's sentences for him. Like, he's predicting what he's yeah. going to say. He's pulling a Joseph Joestar on him. Like it, It's good. It's it's really good. I, I, I'm glad Urahara is here fighting, because he's cool. Um, Yami, of course, gets mad about all this, and he launches more balas at him. But as Urahara has launched... But Urahara has learned how not to get hit. He keeps talking about how Yami must wonder how he's still alive. Then he just pulls out, like, a small black sphere, which, upon first seeing this, I was like, does he just have, like, a second Hogyoku and I forgot about this? What What's going on here? But no, it, it he blows it up like a balloon, and it turns out it's a secret portable Gigai that looks just like him. Inflatable bodies. It's so funny. He, he, like, talks a bit about how it's, like, really difficult to use, and it doesn't really work that well, so he really thinks it's only useful to him. <laughs> Which I think is very funny. I think it's great. He's like, just be aware, none of the other Shinigami are going to be doing this. This is a <laughs> Urahara special. This is part of my moveset. It's going to show up in my version of the fighting game. It's going to be my last minute, like, dodge move. No one else gets to touch this. Copyright. This is 100% like his frame one parry <laughs> in like a fighting game. Like, I, I adore it. It's great. Um, Once again, Yami gets mad, and Urahara explains that through thorough analysis of Yami's movement and attacks, he can effectively dodge or cancel out basically anything Yami throws at him. Ichigo, on the other hand, seems to be struggling quite a bit against Grimjow. He tries to call forth his mask again, but it dissipates before fully forming. Grimjow grins and knees him really fucking hard. Uh, he, like, comes up with some theories on why Ichigo, Ichigo can't bring, like, the mask back. And he lands on several of these theories, but realizes it doesn't really matter since he can't go back into that form anyway. Uh, and then he does something pretty brutal, which, like, this is one of those things where I'm like, I personally wish this show wasn't as censored as it was, because, like, I think this could look way cooler and more brutal. Um, but he basically pins Ichigo's arm to the ground with his sword. Um, and then Grimjow, like, starts to prepare a Sero at, like, close range, like, literally inches from his face. He, uh, claims it'll be painless at this range, and just as he's about to fire it off, ice covers the Sero blasting arm. And the camera pans to reveal Rukia, and uh, my notes here just say, let's go! Yeah, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> Rukia Ruki is, get, is getting to do something! Hell yeah! And, like, she just shows up, fires off her move, it looks sick as hell. I was so fucking happy when she showed up, and I'm like, oh my god, is she actually doing a thing? She's doing something! Rukia, fuck yes, let's go! Um... She says Suki no Mai and then Hakuran as she takes like a battle stance and several particles of ice confetti surround her in like thin pillars. And then in a, an immense blast of cold just hits Grimjow, which freezes him solid. Um, and it's not just him, like the entire area like behind him is like frozen in a block of ice. It's great. I love it. Ichigo compliments the new technique, and she notes his new ability, too. And she, of course, seems, like, a bit worried about this, because he's taken a lot of damage, and it seems like it's really weighing on him. 
But then, of course, this joy of Rukia doing something is, like, immediately broken as Grimjaw breaks out of the ice and grabs her by the head, wondering aloud if she thought she could kill him with that ice. He, like, prepares to launch another Sarah, like, as he's holding her by the head, and, like, I just want to remind everybody that he has one arm, and he's literally, like, holding her by the head and preparing a Sarah with that same, that same hand. So, as Ichigo calls out, like, in worry, a golden blast happens, surprising even Grimjow, and now Shinji's here. I will say, at this point, I saw the blast and I was like, oh word, Chad's here? Uh, And then the show reminded me, of course not, why would Chad show up to do something cool? (laughs) Yeah, no, like, it's this con- I was, like, trying to figure out who it could be, and, like, for a split second I was like, is Uryu here? And, yeah, of course, fucking not, it's Shinji, but it, it's just, like, I'm not gonna go too deep into criti- uh, criticizing this, I think we all know that it really sucks that Rukia shows up to do something and then gets immediately undercut, it's just how the show can be sometimes, and I don't like it, but I do think Shinji's fight is cool, um... He claims to hate intervening in Soul Reaper business, but with all this racket, who can really blame him? Grimjow pulls out his sword, um, like, from Ichigo's arm, he pulls his sword out, and then immediately just goes on the offensive, as Shinji just complains about all the destruction being caused here. He's like, listen, I can dodge your attacks pretty easily, but, like, if you keep breaking shit, it's gonna distract me, and then I'm not gonna be able to dodge your attacks. He's like, I'm gonna feel bad if you keep breaking shit when I dodge. It's pretty good. It, it's a good bit. Shinji forms his mask, unimpressed by Grim Jiao's abilities, and easily proving to be more than a match for him. The two begin to, like, frantically clash with some pretty cool animation going on. Like, it's not, like, top tier, this show, but, like, it is pretty good. Um... Shinji apologizes for not holding back as he launches his own massive Sarrow, which sends Grimjow falling back to the ground. Uh, It's like immediately after revealed that Grimjow apparently, in the moment of the blast, countered with his own Sarrow to like reduce the damage done to him, but he's still hurt pretty badly. Uh, He calls out Grind, uh, which I assume he's about to call out his Zanpakuto and release it. Uh, but just as he's about to strike back, Okiwara shows up out of nowhere and is like, hey, uh, mission's done. We we did it. We got a return. And then several beams of light, which I believe is pronounced Negation. I, yeah. I could be wrong. No, you're right. Okay. Um, surround, like several beams of light just surround the Iran car as they all realize the mission is over. The ice around Loopy breaks, and he threatens to twist Hitsugaya's head off and crush it next time they meet. Yami says they'll finish this next time they meet, too. And all of the Arankar disappear to their own world. Urahara curses, and Rangiku thanks Hitsugaya, who says it's only going to be more trouble from here on out. As Okiora rises into like the doorway to Hueco Mundo, uh, he can sense Ichigo's newfound power, wondering if this is really the best he's got. But... He thinks of it as inconsequential, because you've lost the means to fight. The sun is in our hands. Which I think is a really good line. I like this line a lot. Um, but then the camera, like, cuts to the Don guy, as the camera shows Orihime alone with her Soten Kishun, ending the episode. Yeah, it's a really good, like, shot to end the episode, when Okira's like, Hey, mission's done. Like, I- she's ours. And then mm-hmm. it flicks to Orihime, who is like, was left behind just so that she could finish healing the dudes. Yeah. Like, I I do like this episode for the most part. Like, I do think it sucks that Rukia gets, like, immediately undercut yet again. But, like, I am glad she at least got to do something cool. Yeah. Um... Other than that, though, like, there's not really that much to talk about. This this episode's mostly just fights. Yeah, it's a, you know, if you if you like the fighting in Bleach, it's a good episode. If you roll your eyes at it, then it's not a particularly good episode. Yeah, 100%. The post-credits bit is, like, 
extremely simple. It's just Tosin explains that Wonder Weiss is the first Iron card that was created by the Hokioku's true power, uh, which we saw when Aizen fused with it temporarily on like the other week's episode. Uh, I, I, all, I like all, the dialogue here because, like, okay, it, it starts with Gin being there, and then Tosin just cuts through the wall and is like, no, I'm doing it this week. Which I, I did think that was, like, pretty okay. Yeah, but um, and then Wonder Weiss is, like, acting like a dog. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, sure. Like, that's, that's just his character. I, I think the thing that got me is that Tozen specifically says he's going to explain what the Hogyoku is, and then he just tells us shit we already know. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is very funny. I mean, to be fair... All of the other, all of Gin's explanations were stuff we already know, too. It's oh, 100%. That, it was just, like, spread out across episodes. This one's just, like, remember that scene from, like, four episodes ago? Yeah. Here's the thing we said during that scene. You're just like, well, okay, I guess. Hey, remember Bleach? Have you ever seen it? Like, this is a thing that happened in Bleach. I don't know if you remember. It was It was pretty long ago. Episode aired two weeks ago. I suppose it is slightly better than the bit where they're like, Oh, Grimjow got blasted to the ground! <gasps> What's that? He took less damage because he made his own explosion right before, and then we flash back to him ten seconds prior doing the explosion right before the thing, the expo- the other explosion hit him. And it was like, you could have just showed this happening. Yeah, it would have been much cooler if they just showed that happening. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it- it's a pretty, like... It is one of those episodes of Bleach where it just kind of happens and then it's over and you're like, all right, at least that was quick. Yeah. Uh, as for the manga notes, the so the fight between Shinji and Grimjow, I'm going to recap the entirety of it as told by the manga. Grimjow attacks, Shinji dodges it, complains, puts his mask on, clashes with Grimjow, knocks him away, shoots his arrow. His arrow. The fight is over. Applause. Roaring applause from me. Like, yeah. that's all you need. <laughs> like, when the uh, when the Visored are involved, whether it's uh, Ichigo, like, putting on his mask or any of the others, they just fucking go. And honestly, it's a strength of those fights where you're just like, oh, putting on the mask is a fucking fight ender. Like... <laughs> yeah, like, I think one of the things I've always respected about the, like, er- I guess not early, but, like, mid-game? No. No. Uh, Earlier to, like, early mid-game manga of Bleach is that, like, the fights don't take, like, a year to happen. Like, sometimes the fights can just be, like, a few pages, and then it's done. And, like, it's the sickest shit when that happens. Mm -hmm. And then the other... There's, like, some very slight um, translation differences, which is interesting because... So... When Ulkira is, like, rising up in the negation, instead of thinking to himself, he's just straight up saying this shit out loud to Ichigo. Oh, that's better. He's he's like, hey, it's over. There's nothing you can do now. The sun has set, you know, like, the name of the the episode. (laughs) He says, the sun has set, this day was ours. I, I do, overall... I, I, I do think I like that better than him thinking it. Um, I do overall like that the Arankar are here to just fuck shit up, and then as soon as they get what they want, as soon as they get what they want, they're just like, okay, bye, and that's it. And I like that. I do genuinely like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a really good, like, you don't need to kick the shit out of the main characters to make them lose a fight. Yeah, 100%. I don't know, like, there are definitely things that could be done better, but, like, it's it's solid overall. Um, do you want to cut the break, or do you have more? <laughs> oh, let's cut the break. All right. And let's get right back into it with episode 141. Goodbye, Kurosaki. The episode G- begins... E- yes? I was just going to say, gee, I, I wonder who she's going to say goodbye to. Well, you know. 
The episode begins immediately with Orihime writing down a ton of notes for Ragiku and Hitsugaya, like garbage day, how to handle leftovers, etc, etc. And then we just get like a flashback that explains that Ulkiora gave her... She, he gave her a bracelet that would let her be completely undetected by anyone except Arankar, and also the power to pass through physical objects at will. So, you know, she's basically a ghost. But I, she can I, do stuff like writing in a notebook. I do like this. Like, I like this premise. Um, I think this this much is good. I, I like if I did not make it clear earlier in the episode, I I do not really like this one. <laughs> I'm not not feeling this one. <laughs> yeah, Okura has told her she's got twelve hours to like, you know, settle her affairs and do what she wants, but she can only say goodbye to one person. Um, and that person also, like, can't realize what's happening. So she finishes writing in her notebook, and we cut to Ududu just choking out Akaku because he's being a bother to Tessai while all the employees are trying to heal him. And Yumichika's in, like, a similar boat because he's just completely wrapped up like a mummy and he's chasing the bottles around. While, <laughs> while we see Ikaku, like, running around and being chased by, or chasing around the bottles, we do see, like, kind of off in the distance, Ikaku is, like, slowly losing consciousness in Ururu's grip. <laughs> it's it's a really good joke. It, it's a pretty solid bit. Like, I, I enjoyed this part. Hitsuga is just, like, looking at all this from afar, uh, thinking to himself that Urahara is, like, thinking about shit and being mysterious. And, you know, he's also worried, because he was like, hey, there were five Espada, like, present? There were five, and we were like, "Hey, if they if they make like ten of them, we're fucking dead." Uh, and they, you know, they should only have they're on, they're only supposed to be ready for the war like three months from now. But there were five of them that came to see us, so who knows how many are like already back there? It, it is a real like they do a good job of like adding stakes. I will say like. I, I think this is a very real thing to be concerned about, especially in, like, this kind of situation where it's just like, oh, fuck, they could have more back there. Like, we're 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 boned if they, they have more guys. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah, especially because he thought he was able to kill Loopy with, like, his big move. And then it was like, oh, like, he was stopped, but he wasn't, like, that severely hurt by it. Yeah. For sure, for sure. He's like, this is a problem. Uh, and meanwhile, Rangiku is unable to contact Soul Society. She's just getting static on her phone. Ah, uh, the classic Soul Society no service bit. What a shame. <laughs> In town, Orihime, like, bumps into someone, but the person can't notice her. And she can't even see herself in a shop window. And she, you know, she just, like, tests out the, like, pass-through ability. She gets freaked out, I guess. I don't know, this seems, like, a little weird. <laughs> This scene is my very first major complaint with this episode, which is that while I do like the bit with her, like, testing out the passing through, like, objects ability, I really hate that they do the anime thing of having, like, a guy bump into her and be like, I don't know what I just bumped into, but it was squishy because haha boob joke. Yeah, it's just, like, this whole this whole scene just doesn't work for me. It, um, yeah. We cut to at the school where she, while well, she thinks about Ichigo while standing at his desk, uh, and then she hears Keigo and Mizuiro's voice coming in. Is it Mizuino or Mizuiro? Mizuiro. Mizuiro? Iro. Alright. So she hears them, like, coming in, and then she, like, runs off to hide because she forgot that she's a ghost, and she knocks over a chair. Uh, Keigo's just talking, he's like, it's so fucking weird that all of them, that the entire, like, Ichigo crew took time off at the same time. They're leaving us out, and Mizuhiro's like, well, you know, they're leaving out Tatsuki as well. <laughs> and she's actually close to them. <laughs> like, we're obviously uh, background NPCs, but she she was actually, like, close to them. So it kind of sucks that they're cutting her off, too. Uh, I'm gonna do my best not to rant on this part, but, like, what I particularly do not like about this is that the show is very clearly flagging. Totsuki should be involved in this. 
and then the show does nothing about it. We'll get into this a bit later. For sure, for sure. So Inoue just, like, spends time under... She, like, spends time thinking about her wife under a tree, and then she's like, you know what, maybe I'll I'll go talk to her, and then she runs over to see her. Uh, but then she's surprised that a soccer ball is going to nearly hit her, so she, like, passes through it, and then the delay is enough for Tatsuki to have stepped away and gone back to whatever she was doing with the karate club. And then Orihime is like, okay, well... Time to go to the riverbed, the same one that, like, we made that big promise to Tatsuki about coming back home to and thinking about stuff. I was going to mention this during the uh, the manga segment, but I think it's fruitful to our discussion. All of this isn't in the manga. Oh, okay. This entire segment at the school was added for the anime. Um, presumably so that... Because... And... It, I think it was added because the writers were like, hey, it it would be weird for Orihime to not think about the other people, specifically Tatsuki. And they may have attempted to, like, kind of push more in that direction by adding these scenes. But the end result is they're still going to follow the... Like, Tatsuki is still not going to be involved because she's not involved in the manga. So <laughs> they can only do so much. This is one of those situations where I wish that the anime, like, diverged from the manga more. Um, because I do really greatly wish that Totsuki was more involved. Like, I don't know. I, I just... I feel like it's very strange for them to call so much attention to Totsuki and the fact that she's been left behind and then do nothing about it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well... If we're lucky, maybe she'll do something in one of the filler arcs. Here's hoping. <laughs> Elsewhere, Rukia is also unable to contact Soul Society. And then she gets like a... We get a flashback from her perspective of... Um, she's talking to all the Visored and Hachi's telling her like, Well, you know, I'm not really a healer. And I kind of have to know whatever it is that I'm restoring to be able to restore it. And right now, there's a whole lot of Arankar spirit energy inside of Ichigo's body, so it's kind of hard to, to like, actually heal it up. So what he needs right now is just bed rest away from the visor, because he needs to be away from hollow-type energy. That also means that Chad can't visit him. The classic. We hate it when Chad can visit people. <laughs> we hate it when Chad can get screen time. Uh, who, who needs screen time? This is Bleach. Nobody gets screen time except Ichigo and Olkiora. Yeah, so for now, Ichigo is getting bed rest in his own bed, while Rukia wonders, hey, um, what the fuck is going on with Ichigo and the iron car and everything else? And she's like, ah, uh, maybe I'll stop by Orihime's house? Let's, let's go see how she's, ha- like, how she's uh, dealing. And then she hears Ichigo's sisters arguing outside his door, and she's like, she just tells them, like, yeah, it, you know what, it's really, it's cool if you want to eat your dinner, like, in his room. I think he would like that. They even made omurice for her and, like, made a, a depiction of her face and ketchup. It's it's adorable. Yeah, this scene is really cute, and this one really worked for me. Um, I understand why Rukia is like, I have to go, like, I can't have this, but it did feel really mean to me that she's just like, no, I'm not gonna try your food, until, like, they literally, like, basically beg her, and then I'm like, okay, you could have just accepted it, and it, this would have been much better. Yeah, well, she's like, I, I want to go check out Orihime, like, I, I need to, like, leave the house, and they're just like, sad puppies. <laughs> she's like, oh, fuck. Uh, later, she's cleaning the dishes, and after that, she meets Ishin, who's, like, presented in this overly detailed post-workout beefcake shot that lasts, <laughs> all, like, half a second. Like, it does the in- the whole, like, pe- camera pan from his hips up to his face, uh, but the actual pan only lasts for, like, a quarter or half of a second. So I'm like, was someone on the animation team just, like, really thirsty, and they were like, I'm just gonna sneak this one in here. <laughs> he has supreme DILF energy in this scene. So they chat about Ichigo's condition, and Rukia, like, apologizes for getting mixed up with ruffians, and Ichigo's just like, don't fucking worry, it's, he's just my son, it's fine. He'll be okay. Uh, but also, switching over to Ishin serious mode, it's cold tonight. Wear something if you're going to go outside. So she thanks him, leaves the house, 
uh, Karin and Yuzu sleep are just like falling asleep in their brother's room. And then Orihime like slips in through the window. Literally. <laughs> and she starts to say that uh, she came to say goodbye. There were a lot of people she had thought about saying goodbye to, but oh shit, his sisters are there and they're making noises. Um, and then she realizes this is the first time that she's come to Ichigo's room alone and it makes her blush a bit as she realizes it smells just like him. So she grabs his hand and leans in for a kiss. Grabbing his hand harder and harder, she gets closer and she's flashing back to a bunch of season one moments like the Byakuya fight, uh, the first Arankar fight, how Ichigo had told her he'd get stronger, etc. Uh, her tears fall on his face as she says, fuck, I can't do it. Uh, she's doing this even though, as far as she's concerned, like, this is the end. Uh, that, like, this is it. This is the last time they'll, they'll be close to one another. She starts explaining that she wanted to be a teacher, an astronaut, uh, to go to a donut shop and say she wanted one of everything. She wished she had had five lives so her life could be different in each in a different town and could savor different good foods in each one. And in each life, she'd fall in love with the same person. So she thanks him and says goodbye. The next morning, we zoom in on the corner of her notebook that she'd been writing in, and it says, Goodbye, Halcyon Days. And it's the end of the episode. So, two things. I don't know what Halcyon Days means. Like, frankly, I, I genuinely do not know. Is, is that just, like, a thing that, like, Bleach came up with? Or does that actually mean something? Do you know? It does have a meaning where it's, like, it's a period of calm. Or it's, like, a calm before the storm things. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I think it's it's related to what is it? it was a it's a Greek myth that I think it is like where it comes from specifically because it's like named after a type of bird. Gotcha. Uh, and it's it's something like it's a Halcyon day because these are the days that the Halcyon birds show up, and that means it's a day where storms don't happen. Okay. So Halcyon days refers to days where there aren't problems. Or days where, like, you're happy and successful at doing what you do. Okay. So she's saying, like, goodbye to my carefree life, essentially, is more or less what she's saying. I do like that. Like, frankly, like, now, knowing the context of it, I do like that more. Um, I, I don't want to spend, like, 20 minutes ranting on this, but I do want to be very explicit in that this scene really fell flat for me um and i think the reason for that is it feels fabricated to it, it feels like it's engineered to try and make you sad uh and it feels engineered in a way that doesn't feel natural to me if that makes sense like it feels like she's going to ichigo because she has to because he's the protagonist and she's in love with him. Where, and I, I know this is because, like, I, I am a prime shipper of, like, her and Totsky, where I'm like, okay, they're the two lesbian wives, I love them. But it, it's it's 100% a situation where it feels forced for her to be going to Ichigo instead, just because she's in love with him. And... It does the thing where, like, when she's, like, going in for the kiss, they're like, oh, let's flash back to all those moments we had before. In, in like, maybe another context, it would have worked better for me. But because, we, because we've seen this show before, and because we know, like, this is, like, the point at which Orihime or basically stops being a character, it's, like, it just feels forced in a way that's very engineered to be like okay you're sad right you're you're so sad this is happening right like come on cry cry for me and i'm like no i'm just frustrated because i think it would have been much more effective for her to go to like totsky who has been established as like her best friend as somebody she has like a really deep connection with and i like we already haven't seen much totsky much of totsky like lately 
So, like, I think it would have been really effective to go to her and have that scene. But instead, she goes to Ichigo and they have the, like, part where she's going in for the kiss and the flashback and all that shit. But it's just, like, it doesn't work for me, you know? Yeah, and I can understand why. Per- like, personally, the scene works for me because while, yes, there there is that one, like, really good um, scene right before they go to Soul Society with Tatsuki, and the emergence of, of Orihime's powers was entirely to protect Tatsuki, and that's, like, a great episode on that front. Um, other than that, or at least since going to Soul Society, Orihime has not on screen spared a thought to Tatsuki, which honestly is a huge criticism of the writing. Yeah. Uh, but she has been shown to like most pretty much only care about Ichigo. <laughs> that like that's just how that's just how the show has presented. Because it's always been oh, I'm sad that Ichigo is clearly depressed. I'm sad that Ichigo is like going through tough times, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's like it it has got go. It has gone from Orihime is like an emotionally intelligent character who can pick up when other characters are sad to she literally only cares about Ichigo. Like the assassination of the character of Orih- of Orihime like started a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I don't think this episode is different in that regard. And I think that's why this scene doesn't doesn't bother me as much uh, because it is just like okay, rolling my eyes at. This is just a continuation of what's gone before. I think the bit where she's explain where she's talking about all of the things that she wanted to grow up to do, and it's like teacher, astronaut, person who can go to an ice cream bar and say, "Give me one of every flavor," a person who can go to a donut shop and say, "Give me one of everything," and I was like, I really like that bit because that felt very Orihime to me. Yeah. And including the part where she tries to lean in for the kiss and she's like, God, this was supposed to be my, like, final farewell. I was supposed to finally get my kiss and I can't even fucking do that. And and she's just, like, really mad at herself and frustrated that she can't, like, actually go in for the kiss. Uh, I think, like, I think that would have worked. That works better for me than if she actually had managed to put a kiss on his cheek or his mouth or whatever. I can agree there. Like, I I think... I think you're right in that the uh, the bits with her, like, going and describing what she wanted her life to be, and, like, oh, I wish I had five lives so I could do all these different things. Like, that much works for me. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right in that it, it really does come back to, like, her character assassination, like, just starting a while ago. And, like, I, I think it's... It comes down to a point of this is the show continuing to frustrate me on that front. And like, I want to keep going. Like, I want to know, like, is her character assassination as bad as we remember? Like, what's going on there? It, it just really. I, 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 I think this scene just felt so flat because it felt like this was the only way it could have been given what we've been given and i i would have liked to be surprised i think and i i think it's very much a situation of my expectations versus the reality the show has presented me Mm -hmm. uh so it's very much like i don't think the show is at fault for this i i think the scene works on its own merits I just personally was not into it. Yeah. And then to finish up the episode, uh, we've got the post credit scene where Keigo is just like complaining about all the big noises that were happening in town. Clearly it's Ikaku's group, like having a huge fight. Um, and then he tries to figure out like, maybe he's a spy or like an on the run Shogun. Who could he be? Like what's his real identity? And then Mizuiru like just sh- comes in with the, f- the like finishing blow hypothesis where he's like well maybe he's your brother-in-law bitch this this bit was good this was a good bit i really appreciate how they did the like pseudo james bond shit in this scene like that bit cracked me up that was good so mean 100 percent, and i i adore it 
like, he is still doing the bit where he's called he's being like ultra formal to Kago, like <laughs> Mr. Asano. <laughs> just it the the chemistry between him and Kago is one hundred percent great, all time favorite. I adore it. Mm. And then so the manga has like a bunch of they did a bunch of changes because they changed the order of a bunch of scenes. Okay. So the goodbye Halcyon days like zoom in on the notebook is at the very beginning because they se- that's what they use to separate the notebook and the flashback scene okay. from the physical comedy slapstick squad 11 scene. And the zoom in serves as the, t- like it's the title screen for the chapter. The chapter is called goodbye Halcyon days. Okay. Uh, they put Rangiku having phone problems with Rukia having phone problems like immediately. Like, it's, it's, Rangiku goes, hey, no, I still don't have connection, and then it flips to Rukia going, damn, no connection, that's weird. Uh, and, you know, the thing that was in between that and the anime is the entire, like, Orihime going into street, going through the school, all that stuff. Uh, also, Rukia doesn't mention going to Orihime's place at all. She's, like, going to investigate why her phone's not working. <laughs> I, I like her going to investigate Orihime better. Yeah. And then, uh, here's the fun part of the, uh, so there's a running thing over the, the four chapter, the four manga chapters that these four episodes cover. Um, your episode is three manga chapters, mine is one. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to show you what, I'm going to tell you what bit the chapter covered and then just show you the end of chapter image and you can describe it to our audience. Okay. Uh, keeping in mind, of course, that all of this is kind of like a Orihime-focused mini-arc, right? Because it's like her kidnapping. Yeah. So the first chapter is... It's like Olkir shows up at the very beginning of the chapter. Like the whole conversation he has with uh, with Orihime where he's like, Damn, you only have two guards? No, 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 no. That happens... That starts a chapter instead of being like midway through an episode. Okay. This is how the this is the end of credits uh like corner drawing for that chapter. So this appears to be uh, a f- a flower very similar to that of Orihime Orihime's like uh like hairpins and one of the petals is like wilting and that's very sad. And then you have the episode you ha- you have the chapter where um you know the the battle rages like the battle start is starting to happen uh, Wonder Weiss is attacking Urahara, and Lupi is attacking, like, Squad 11 and all that. And it's this image. And, uh, a petal has fallen off, and yet another one is wilting. And this is very sad, Sam! Uh, and then it's the end of the episode, it's the end of the fight in the third chapter, uh, when Old Kira is showing up and saying, hey, battle's over, we got what we're doing, and then, like, the end of the chapter is Orihime standing vigil over the two dudes that were wounded so she's trying to heal them and this is the image that was pasted oh no uh several of the petals have fallen uh another one is wilting there are like two left that appear to be alive and then of course uh the chapter ends with uh this chapter ends with orihime like saying her final goodbye it's dead. It, it's basically completely dead. It is completely wilted. The petals are falling, and oh, that that's good. That's that's good shit. Thanks, Kubo. Thanks, Kubo. Love to feel depression. <laughs> I adore depression. Uh, it's my favorite feeling. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I was going through it. I was like, damn, <laughs> these four, these four like wilting flowers hit so hard. Like that's that's really good. I I like that a lot. Yeah, and for reference, for anyone who wants to go look at them, those are chapters. I think it's two thirty four to two thirty seven, or thereabouts. I might be off by like a chapter or two. Um, but yeah, yay, <laughs> yay, depression. <laughs> and that's uh, all I've got for these episodes. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much more to say that I haven't already. Um. Like, I'm hoping next week gives me a bit more to work with, but, uh, yeah, no, like, 
we had a pretty standard battle episode, and then we had the sad Orihime episode, and I, I just... We'll see where this goes. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse that I don't remember much Orihime, like, after this point. Because this is the point where, like, we started the we started doing the podcast, and this is the point that we were, like, aware of and dreading. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, right, that's gonna fucking happen. Um, but maybe it's better than uh, than we remembered. And then going forward, it's like, do I not remember Orihime stuff because none of it happened and it was it wasn't noteworthy, or is it just because I was that's where I started like not really paying attention to Bleach? I I guess like this is gonna be like the interesting turning point, you know, like where we're gonna have to like see where all this goes and like. I, I also, my memories of this, like, part of the show, like, I have some there where it's like, mm, I remember this not being great, but I, I also, like, remember some moments being, like, kind of stand out, and I'm like, we'll see, we'll see. Like, I, I'm gonna, like, just try and keep an open mind, try and go into it, like, not expecting the world, but, like, hoping the show will surprise me in ways I did not remember. And yeah. Um this has been It'll Wash Out. You can find the show on Twitter at Bleachcast and you can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore pause. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. I I feel like I was gonna like plug something here. I don't I do not remember why or what. And frankly, that's just telling me that I did not have something to plug here, actually, and that I just fabricated the idea in my mind that I was going to. But, um, yeah, no, like, have a great week. I, you know, have a good one. Stay cool, Chads. If you divide leftovers into single meal portions and stick them in the freezer, they'll last long and be easier to reheat. Honestly, just good life advice. Thanks, Sam. <laughs>